and welcome to episode 186 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 16th of June 2022. I'm Joe, and with me are Phelan, Scorchio, Graham, Happy Saturday, and Will. Hello! Yes, we are recording a little bit early, because Monday is going to be rather warm, we're told, so we thought we'd better get this done before it gets rather warm. Another quick plug for the meetup, which is happening on the 5th of August, near the London Eye. This is organized by Alex from the self-hosted podcast. He's here in the UK now. So this is going to happen. I might take my mixer slash recorder, which I can run off batteries, and we might record some sort of really low-budget live show with no amplification or anything. So... We'll see how that works out, but maybe we'll do that. So anyway, we'll put a link in the show notes. So if you're around London on the 5th of August, then come. It seems that everyone is on holiday, including all of you lot and pretty much everyone I know. So we'll see who turns up. I think 100 people are signed up on the Meetup page, so we'll see. All right, let's do some news then. The first one is that Lenovo have released a ThinkPad with Windows that will not boot Linux by default, and people are up in arms about having to change a small setting in the BIOS. This is a bit of an issue, if you ask me, because Microsoft were, I don't know whether gifted uh, or you know de facto put in charge of running Secure Boot because of the being the largest OEM provider, whatever the term would be for them. And they are in charge of this entire ecosystem and for whatever reason have decided that third-party drivers slash firmwares can't run. They haven't given a reason why they've said this. I mean, maybe they have a really good reason, as Matthew Garrett says. But nobody's been told, so nobody can fix it. Therefore, we've been locked out. I think it's a huge deal. It's really not. This is Pluton, which is Microsoft's attempt to have like a really secure laptop, essentially. And OEMs like Lenovo, Dell, and the like can either opt in or opt out of this. And Dell hasn't yet opted into it, but Lenovo have. Yeah, but this is one of these things where if you don't opt in, you can't play. Therefore, all your competitors are doing it. Therefore, you, it's not really a choice. It's a there's so little skin in the game for those laptop manufacturers. They make peanuts to the point where they're willing to put spamware on the bloody laptops to try and make some money. I think this is more of an issue and it's not proper stewardship. I can't get too excited about it, I must admit. It would just put me off buying an, a Lenovo laptop and hopefully there'd be enough Linux users for it to make a difference to Lenovo's strategy, but it probably won't. I'm pretty sure every manufacturer will do this though. I, mean, I don't think there's going to be any that won't because it's like if they introduce this thing, you get to become part of it. If you don't, you're you're dead to them sort of thing. So I, I don't know. And defaults matter. Defaults do matter, yes. But if you are going to take a machine running Windows and install your own operating system on it that is not Windows, surely the extra step of going into the BIOS or the EFI, whatever you want to call it, and changing one setting is not a huge barrier. Yeah, but what if that setting is not available anymore? What if that hardware starts becoming de facto and then you know, you are, yeah, it has to be signed. And let's not forget, we, you know, agreed with all the ways that the shim stuff will be done with Microsoft. And therefore that should have been as up to spec as possible. Why is it suddenly not anymore? You know, there's really no reason given. What is the one setting that you need to change? Is it to disable secure boot? No, it's third party UEFI certificates. 
Okay, I see. I think I side with Joe here. I think as long as Secure Boot can still be used and is still valid, then it's okay if you've got to jump through a hoop. However, I see Phelan's point of view that this is, well, as as often we talk about the slippery slope and the thin end of the wedge and all of that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, whatever. This is like third-party app stores on your phone. Yeah, sure. If you know what you're doing, it's not a big deal. But my God, do they tell you not to do it when you're trying to do it? But I don't want third-party app stores on my phone because I don't trust third parties to do it. Yeah, but these are signed third parties. Like these were these are companies that are not just like, ah, oh, yeah, sure, we'll just we'll just go in and make a driver. I'll oh, be grand, you know. These are people that have agreed to this setup, mm. Mm. and it's going to break other stuff. It's not just that; it's also drivers for various things, and not only that, but it doesn't secure things as much as people think it does because the laptop vendors can bypass all of this because of the way it's set up. So, if you think you're being protected by having this ticked, that's a load of rubbish. It's Absolutely not the case. So it doesn't it doesn't make sense on security grounds either. That's the other part about it. But do you think that Linux is now big enough that people will demand Linux laptop support? Maybe not in this instance, but that it will there'll be other laptops by Lenovo that will support it. It feels like this was important when Linux was a minor player, but I don't think it really is anymore. There will be developers and other people who demand a Linux laptop. I think they'll be told to use WSL, which is clearly a Windows dis- or Linux mm. distribution, and you know we should all just agree with that. <laughs> which it is not. It is. It is not. <laughs> gatekeeping again, Phelan. I am gatekeeping because yeah. <laughs> if if nobody gatekeeps, then there's nothing left to gatekeep for because it's all gone. That's why. <laughs> That's why we have armies, police, and security services. These things are useful. Jesus Christ. I didn't want to point out earlier on when you said that defaults count that you as a KDE user probably never stick to the defaults. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was I was meaning in the global we. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck a bunch of defaults. <laughs> defaults matter until you get a horrendous default wallpaper. <laughs> you see, told you. <laughs> well, I understand the argument that it is the thin end of the wedge and all of that. But as long as you can still just go into the BIOS and change one little setting and keep secure boot, I'm not too worried. And as long as it's only on a few specifically marketed laptops i'm not worried either i just wouldn't buy that particular laptop i think it's corporate it policy that we'd have to worry about though that's the problem don't say i didn't warn yes okay this episode is sponsored by linode go to linode.com slash late night linux support the show and get a hundred dollars free credit from their award-winning support offered 24 7 365 to every level of user to ease of use and setup It's clear why developers have been trusting Linode for projects both big and small since 2003. Deploy your entire application stack with Linode's one-click app marketplace or build it all from scratch and manage everything yourself with supported centralized tools like Terraform. And check out their managed MySQL, Postgres and MongoDB databases that allow you to quickly deploy a new database and defer management tasks like configuration, managing high availability, disaster recovery, backups and data replication. Simple and fast to deploy with secure access, their flexible plans include daily backups. So go to linode.com slash late night Linux, create a free account, and you'll get $100 in credit and support the show. That's linode.com slash late night Linux. Leonard Puttering has left Red Hat, and he's gone 
to Microsoft. What? I can't think of a better gift to give Microsoft than having to deal with him. Well, whether you like what Leonard has done or not, he has been incredibly influential with Pulse Audio and System D being two prime examples of that. And he's continuing to work on System D. I mean, it seems like he's been at Microsoft for a while and people have only just noticed. So really the worry is, well, now Microsoft is paying him to work on System D. Does that mean that Microsoft is in charge of System D or stewarding that project? And does that matter? It's a very good question. <laughs> Firstly, I think System D is brilliant. I have to say that it solves all kinds of problems that we used to have, like deeply technical problems that no one would take Linux seriously unless those problems were solved. I know that there's lots of examples of him being a difficult character to deal with, but he's undoubtedly a brilliant engineer, I think. I think it's a canny move by Microsoft. It's System D on WSL. I don't know what it means. But I don't think it's necessarily any different than him working at Red Hat and Red Hat being in control of what Leonard might work on or might not work on. I don't think it's necessarily about WSL. It's probably more about CBL, Mariner, and their other direct Linux efforts. Yeah, I don't think... Uh, well, I know, last time I checked anyway, WSL doesn't use any kind of normal Linux system. It's got its own weird thing. I doubt very much that they would be porting systemd to that. Yeah, well, I don't think there's any evidence to say that they are, but in my mind, it's it's a good step towards having full distro support in WSL. I don't know what I'd think. I don't like it, though. <laughs> yeah, you must be really torn. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've gotten to like systemd quite a lot. Um, I Literally, it was just a case of didn't have time, didn't have enough will for a long time. And then I use it and it's really good. It standardized a whole lot of stuff that was a pain and hacky scripts. So I just hope they are doing the whole employ you like the way Google did with, say, Jeremy Allison for Samba, where they didn't employ him to influence the project. They employed him because they thought, oh, this is a good thing to do. And let them just do their own thing and we just pay their paycheck being involved in certain projects wouldn't be a big issue if they're actual proper Linux projects and not very Microsoft-specific, because that would be a shame. But I'm sure he's stubborn enough to not fall for any shenanigans either, so maybe it's a good thing. Maybe. <laughs> I think Lennart moving to Microsoft prompted SJVN to write an article for the Register called Get Over It, Microsoft is a Linux and open source company these days. The evil empire hasn't been evil for about eight years now. And uh, Phelan, did you read this and were you really trolled by it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like him to blink three times if he's under duress because uh, <laughs> it just skips so many things that have happened literally within the last couple of weeks. Like Copilot is possibly an existential threat, not just open source software, but to software which isn't open source, which is now going to be branded with it um we've got obviously the latest notebook stuff that's going on with the secure boot and we've also got the the store thing which you know if we're to be believed by the man on twitter who said oh yeah we should look into that but equally they haven't changed the updated terms for the store which still has that wording that would block open source software in there uh, from making any money i'm not so sure and i, I really don't 
think that we should give a company either negative or positive on these things. It's a company there to make money. They'll make money, whatever that means. And I think we shouldn't be so quick to just jump to their sort of aid to say, oh, Microsoft are brilliant. They're not brilliant. They're just a company. And you should not trust them either way. Yeah, but equally, they're not evil. They're just a company. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. (laughs) It depends what your term is evil, though, doesn't it? If you have a business and you've been put out of business because yet another provider has gone to Office 365, and that is sweeping all through all sorts of places. Loads of companies are chucking in their own uh, hardware. And that's even if you're a Windows shop. If you're a small Windows provider that does support, you are probably going to be a reseller for some crappy online service for theirs and you'll eventually get crushed because why would you go through a lot of resellers when you could go straight to them? I think what's to blame there isn't Microsoft specifically, it is capitalism. Well, it's locking and uh, that that's exactly what they're doing. They've found a way to lock you in through a cloud service and it doesn't matter, they don't care how they get you there with it. And supporting Linux or not, you know, like the Colombian cartels could run Linux for their shipping plots that they do to get drugs across the border. It doesn't make them good. (laughs) I was going to say the same thing as Joe, actually. It's not Microsoft that's evil. It's capitalism that's evil, if that's what you think. And Microsoft has an obligation to do everything it can to capitalize on every advantage it has at its disposal. And open source it's an advantage to it. Linux is an advantage to it at the moment. That's really great for something we knew all along that they've embraced it, but it's something that's untested for us as Linux people and open source. Hopefully, I think it's strong enough to survive and flourish under that kind of pressure. I ultimately think it'll be better for everything, having that kind of Microsoft scrutiny on open source and Linux. And the the wealth of financial backing that they're able to give a service like github who do support directly untold number of open source projects by free hosting or you know allowing them to um get sponsorship and all of that sort of thing when you put it all through the wash i think microsoft do come out positively overall <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you tell me how much money they make from Copilot, and then I'll tell you how much I think their free offering of hosting is going for them. <laughs> well, this is a good chance to plug Linux Downtime, which has got cool new artwork, by the way. Uh, so check it out at linuxdowntime.com. But uh, we recently, as you listen to this, have released an episode where Martin and Hayden talk about actually using GitHub Copilot and they get it for free because they're open source people. And Hayden has got a legal background as well and he says that it's fine legally because of the fair use on AI stuff. So uh, do check that out anyway. Who made that fair use for AI stuff though? That's the question. Was it an AI lawyer that did it? (laughs) Well, you'll have to listen to find out the details of it. But you take something like System D, right? Let's say Microsoft does something really, really evil with it. Well, we've got two choices at that point. Either we can fork it from before they made it evil, and then the whole community can just rally around that new fork, or the nuclear option, we can all start contributing to the likes of DevOne. And because open source is the way it is, you're always going to end up with something like DevOne, which is not using systemd and is carrying on in its own perfectly fine way. I like the idea of uh, forking system D because then we'd have to call it like system E or in French it would be like système. <laughs> <laughs> we could put an accent on it, system A. <laughs> system A. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess 
unlike the open office, LibreOffice sort of nightmare that still exists, something that's a system level tool like that, it would be the distro that would be doing it. You wouldn't actually be picking it yourself. So yeah, that, that probably would be a good way to deal with it, I suppose. But Will's right, obviously, because he agrees with me. But right now, it's in Microsoft's financial interests to be invested in Linux and open source. And if that situation changes, that'll be fine. In the meantime, they have contributed loads of effort to Linux and open source. Case in point, paying Linux's salary to uh, develop System D. Well, he's only been there for a few weeks. It's hardly the whole of System D. And that's what is my annoyance. It's checkbook fossing. I don't like it. But anyway, that's just me. I think you just hold a grudge against Microsoft from the early days. You've been around too long, Phelan. Well, they're still doing it, so yeah, I do. Are they still doing it, though? Of course they are. But it's now called capitalism, and it's all okay. (laughs) Do we know if Leonard is actually getting paid by Microsoft to work directly on Systemd? I don't think it's official, but it is my understanding, so that may not be true. But from what I've read, and you know, there's a lot of uh, chatter on the internet, that is my understanding. But yeah, that's a good point. We don't actually know that officially. Let's hope it's not a new audio layer anyway. <laughs> a replacement for Pipewire already. Oh, God. It is about time someone started working on one, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's been six months. Yeah. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Entroware. Go to entroware.com. Entroware sells computers with Ubuntu and Ubuntu Mate pre-installed. They've got a range of desktops, laptops, and servers, and most parts are configurable, so you can pick the CPU, RAM, and storage that's right for you. If you can't find exactly what you want, then do contact them, and they'll work with you on a bespoke solution that's perfect for your needs. They ship to the UK, Republic of Ireland, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain. And if you do buy one of their machines, there's a little drop-down at checkout, and you can select late-night Linux so they'll know that we sent you. So go to entroware.com for all your Linux computing needs. On to a bit of admin then. First of all, thank you everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that. You can learn more at latenightlinux.com slash support. And remember, for $10 or more per month on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed that includes this show, Linux Downtime, and Linux After Dark. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can email show at latenightlinux.com. Firefox Snap Performance Part 3, Significant Startup Improvements. So this is Firefox in Ubuntu. I have previously moaned that on the Vivo book that I've got, and my wife has got the exact same one, it took 45 seconds to open the Firefox Snap from a cold boot. Well, your colleagues on the Snap team, Graham, have been working on this, and they have genuinely made some significant improvements. It's gone from 45 seconds to 15 seconds now on this said old Vivo book. That said, it's five seconds if you just download the tarball directly from Mozilla. But uh, let's gloss over that and let's, let's take this as a great win for Canonical. They've listened to everyone and they've somewhat fixed it. Well, I thought the interesting thing about that was the fact that they've also fixed it for Chromium and various other ones that might be snaps too, because they set the compression algorithms for the various base layer stuff in the snaps as well so i mean it's a win a win i think tweaks like this are going to make improvements across the board for pretty much all snaps as they learn what tweaks they can do to shave a few seconds off here and there i think it's perhaps a little unfair to say that they've only sort of just realized that that this has been a problem they've been working on it 
since well since I left so at least sort of three years ago and it's part of the inherent problem of running all of your applications separated from all of your other applications on a system which depends heavily on shared libraries and shared files is always going to be a problem that they still care that they are still making improvements i think is um is testament to the hard work of that team so well done chaps and chapezes yeah the team have definitely done good work here but that it took them this long and that it took them till after the release of an lts where firefox was a snap by default I think does not reflect brilliantly on management and upper management, let's just say. I don't think you can blame the teams. You know, they're clearly doing their best with the resources that they are given. And I think it has just taken this LTS and all the attention that it's got for management to give them the resources necessary to actually get this fixed. Not to try and just defend them for the sake of defending them, but I guess the first rule is get the software out the door. I mean... Firefox starting slowly is better than it being vulnerable. And that was the whole plan. And it was driven by Mozilla. So we don't really know, I guess, when Mozilla said, oh, by the way, we need this to be quicker. We need it to be a snap and we want to do it now. Um, That might have been in the wrong point of the development process. I don't know. But like, at least they are able to make these fixes and that system is now in place and that system can get upgraded as it goes along. I mean... Who's restarting their browser all the time anyway? You're all weirdos. I've told you, my machine is either on and being used or off. Yeah, my machine is the same, but it's on 24-7, except when I do a curl patch. But yeah, I can live with 45 seconds if that was the case. So when you're asleep, your machine is just on burning electricity then? It's doing things and it's in a lower power state. It's fine. Well, my machine is in the lowest power state of being off. And I find that's quite good for the electricity bills generally. And the heat. And the heat, exactly. Although mine's pretty cool, but uh, yeah, it all adds up. One of the fixes they talk about is a fix to load one locale at a time based on system setting, uh, which is a nice fix. But the bug that they linked to was opened six years ago. Well, that comes back to resources, doesn't it? And prioritizing which bugs you fix. We've talked about this previously, Will. You were in charge of the Ubuntu desktop team at one point, and you had to make those calls, didn't you? You had to decide what was going to be worked on and what wasn't. So explain yourself, Will. Why did you make (laughs) Firefox start so slow? Lols. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I should say something, but um, I think I can say that it's something that the SnapD team takes very seriously and are really trying to address. And I think in a way it's great that Firefox has been made a snap and that hundreds of thousands of people presumably are now using it because it forces us to kind of confront these issues and fix the slowness. I think that the SnapD team and actually the upper management as well, I think they should all be given old, like, I don't know, X220s or something, really old ThinkPads with, you know, whatever generation of uh, i5 they've got with a SATA SSD and, and let them experience what it's like for the normal people. And maybe that might light an even bigger fire up their asses to get things fixed. It'd be nice to be given anything because we have to buy our own hardware at Canonical, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I look forward to even further improvements with the Firefox Snap. And maybe it will eventually find itself on a par with the Tarball version. For, for reference on my 9600K machine, it went from five seconds to two and a half seconds, but the tarball is less than one second. So it's much improved, but there is improvement still to do. 
All right. Reddit and nothing are both on the shit list because they're both shilling NFTs. I, I didn't even bother to read how they're doing it. I don't give a fuck, quite frankly. Reddit, I've always fucking hated Reddit, and now I feel vindicated. <laughs> they can fuck right off. <laughs> nothing is uh, the geezer from uh, OnePlus. He uh, left OnePlus a couple of years ago, and he's got this nothing phone with the flashing lights on the back of it. What was that page, though? Like the bouncing ball inside a glass cube that you could turn the sound on. I just, I didn't know what was going on reading mm. that page. And it, it looked fake. I don't know whether the fonts didn't load properly or what. I don't know, but... Jesus Christ, that was weird. Yeah. Well, they're doing NFTs so they can get fucked, quite mm. frankly. Yep. <laughs> Just wanted to draw attention to them. So, you know, all the people who say, oh, you should have a subreddit or anything. Well, fuck you. <laughs> I was right. Reddit are a bunch of bastards who can just fuck off. Let's do a quick KDE corner then. The first one, KDE EV report 2021. They're making electric vehicles. <laughs> yeah, it's something to do with some sort of, I don't know, probably corporate tax avoidance. I don't know. But uh, yeah, no, it's 25 years. And the sort of the main thing that they weathered COVID for the last year, Creta is grown as a sort of de facto graphics application for a lot of places. Lab plot being used in NASA and CERN. KDN Live has made it onto the ASWF landscape, which is apparently some sort of like Linux Group Academy Awards, something or other, essentially big in Hollywood, I guess, or of use in Hollywood. I don't know. Sounds like a keyboard layout. <laughs> yeah, it does a bit, all right. And uh, Jacques is there. You've got things like the Steam Deck. You've got Slimbook are doing a KDE Edition laptop. All the OEMs, you know, they've, they've proven a, a lightweight, ready-made secure and customizable distro that can be used on things like Steam Decks. There's a whole load of other ones from all the various different groups like PIM Mobile, Wayland, Summer KDE, Framework 6 stuff. And uh, yeah, it's, it's quite a year and it's quite a report. And uh, the, interestingly, they had the financials on there as well. And two thirds of the income comes from supporting members and donations, which is really cool. And uh, only 25% comes from like large patrons like uh, the likes of Canonical, Blue Systems and stuff. And uh, I thought that was quite cool. It uh, really is a community user-funded desktop environment. All right. And you've got a couple of links to This Week in KDE posts. Yeah, there's, there's a few key ones out of that that I, I really quite liked. Um, Gwenview is getting the annotations thing that's in Spectacle, which is the snapshot app for doing desktop captures. And it is so useful. I think Windows has had a thing like that. I can't remember what they call it, but just very simple. Like if you don't know how to use a graphics application, you can at least circle something in some obnoxious color to show somebody where the problem is. Very handy. And also along with that, Gwenview, Dolphin and Spectacle are getting XDG portals, which is the thing that allows them to tie in with things like Snaps and Flatpak. And that allows them to like integrate properly into the desktop environment better. So you can use your sort of custom file open dialogues and things like that. So that's really cool to see. And they're doing things like adding paper size to the regional and language settings, which is seems simple, but just they're polishing all the little tiny bits and pieces. So that it's quite good to see. And uh, the 15-minute bugs thing is down to 52 now. So, I mean, progress has been made even in the summer when things are quiet. It's good to see that. And Frameworks 97 is getting the free desktop secret standard, which is great because that integrates with a lot of third-party password managers, which, you know, for various things make your life so much better. So uh, it's been quite good. 
All right, and Neil Gromper has suggested that Fedora should sponsor the KDE project as an official patron. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting thing to follow through. And, you know, anybody who's interested in, in uh, Fedora or KDE, worth a look. Uh, I mean, I think they sort of decided that they didn't want to be seen as trying to buy their way onto the board seat or anything like that. And they've kind of looked at it in the fact that maybe they'll sort of talk about it a bit later on just to flesh things out and then try and get a better idea what they're doing because they didn't want to be seen to be just kind of wading in there. So I mean, I think it's good and more support is better, but you know, it's uh, it's nice to see that things like Kinonite and all that are probably having an impact back in Fedora land. So it's good to see. He said through gritted teeth. <laughs> Could you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad my dentist doesn't listen. <laughs> right. Well, links to all that in the show notes as usual. But we'd better get out of here then. We'll be back next week when we'll have some exciting discoveries and some feedback and who knows what else. But until then, I've been Joe. I've been Phelan. I've been Graham. And I've been Will. See you later.